Today, uh, we are, I'm excited to be in, in God's house with all of you to uh, share the Word of God with you. Indeed, it's a privilege. It is a privilege. And it's uh, very humbling and also very uh, daunting uh, to, to be the one who gives the Word of God to his people this week. So if you join me in a word of prayer, that'd be awesome. Lord God, we uh, give you uh, thanks today because you are God. You are our God. And you are in control, Lord, and even though the waves and the giants would tell us that we need to give up. We know that the battle's already been won. It's been won in your son, Jesus Christ. Today, Lord, we pray that you would indeed fill us with your hearts, fill our hearts with your presence, fill us with great confidence, God, fill us with great trust that we might take that next step forward as David did and slew the giant. God, we just want to touch your heart. We want to touch it by fully trusting you. Guide us today in our Lord in our message. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you would, the, the text that we're going to be looking at is 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel, Old Testament, right? There's the Old, you know, New Testament. Grab your Bibles or grab a pew Bible in front of you. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And, and as we begin a new sermon series today, which by, by the way is called Touching God's Heart. Oftentimes, we, we want God to touch our heart, right, and to warm our heart, but this is about touching his heart. And, and we're going to see how to touch God's heart through the example of King David. And, and, and many of the stories, and by the way, they're not stories, stories meaning fairy tales. They're true accounts, historical accounts of how God has moved in the lives of men. And so, indeed, we'll see the, through the example of David, and as you remember, David was a man after God's own heart. Dear friend, would you like to be a man or a woman or a child after God's own heart? And if you'd like to do that, the one piece that you need to take home today is this, I can do that by fully, fully trusting and relying on God. All right, well, 1 Samuel chapter 17 is, is the place we're going to be looking for a little while, and it is the story of Goliath, that mighty giant. But before we do that, uh, and keep your, keep your hand there, keep it open, because we're going to be going through the chapter, I have to share a little story with all of you, and I'm trying to stay within the lines here. Talk about running around. Uh, when I was uh, younger, I was short. Okay, I'm still short. Don't laugh. All right. <laughs> Nothing's changed, Pastor Kurt. All right. I was shorter, okay? And, and if you can imagine me being, okay, I guess you can imagine me being four foot eleven and a half as a junior in high school, that comes with a little bit of ridicule, being this wee little shaver guy, a junior in high school, four foot eleven. For all you tall guys, good luck to you. All right. So when I was, however, in fourth grade, you can imagine I was even smaller. You could have probably just picked me up like a little baby, right? But I was a strapping young boy, and one day I made my way over to the YMCA, and, and I guess to nowadays, especially in Midland, there's not a YMCA, but there's the community center, and we would swim there and work out in the gym and play racquetball and do all those fun things, right? And as a fourth grader, you know, I played football and I played baseball. I wasn't the greatest athlete, but I was all right. And, and so one day I head out to the YMCA, and I'm getting dressed in the locker room, and there's this kid over there. And that kid, well... He'd picked on me before, right? Call me all kinds of names, right? And, 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 you know, I don't know, maybe I was a little bit afraid of him. And, and so this particular day, there he is. I spot him over there. He's packing his stuff, and he spies me. 
And I'm going, man, i got to hurry up. i got to get out of here. All right? So I'm walking out. I'm way out of there, thinking he, it's enough that he just calls me names. But the kid stops me. All right? And he starts pushing on my chest. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking right now, Pastor Kurt. I know you were small, but you took him on and made him pay for it, right? Well, not so much. So, so the kid starts swinging at me. I put my arms up to defend myself, right? But he gets a cross in there, and he gets me right in the jaw. Well, right about then, yeah, 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 you can see the tears coming. And, well, you would have thought that, you know what, you're not going to do that to me. I'm going to pop that kid one. I just ran away like a scared little chicken. Yeah, and in fact, I was out of there so quick, I was hopping on my bike. I saw that kid leaving the building way, way, way up there, and I made my way home. Your friends, today we're going to be talking about another boy who faced a little bit bigger of a giant than this kid. And you know his name, and you've heard the account, right? His name is King David. But what did King David do? Yeah, he wasn't king then, just yet. Did he go ahead and go at that giant, or was he afraid and walk away? Your friends, the point that I said that we would be making today is indeed this one. David fully, fully trusted God. How about you, dear friend? Do you fully, not just in part of your life, fully trust God? Well, let's take a look at the text with me, if you would. And, and we are in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And keep that question in mind, my dear friends. Do you fully rely on God? Do you fully depend on him? Have confidence in God in every moment of your life? 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4. And we're just going to take different parts of the text. And then we're going to see, well, how does this apply to us, Pastor Kurt, right? That's a long time ago. Verse 4 says this. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out to the Philistian camp. He was over nine feet tall. That's just pretty big, don't you think? He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor, a bronze wing, 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze sheaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. And if he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But I, I have overcome him and kill him. You become our subjects and serve us. Verse 10. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And on hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. I guess I don't feel so bad right now, right? Then I ran away from the kid. An entire army was afraid. Now, just to help us all get a picture of how big Goliath, how big nine and a half feet was. By the way, that's an English translation. The Hebrew actually says that Goliath was six cubits, and the cubits is the distance from your elbow to your middle finger, about 17 and a half inches. So Goliath is six cubits and a span. A span is the distance between your thumb and your small finger. That's how tall Goliath was. Well, let's see how tall that really looks like, all right? And, and you can only uh, imagine it until you see it. Now, how many of you have height charts at home? 
You guys like measure your kids, raise your hand, right? And, and I think my measurement's still in my parents' house back there, right? And, and you measure the kids getting bigger and bigger. Well, th this is a height chart. And imagine, not imagine, this is how tall Goliath, now I have to take a ladder to show you how tall the guy was, all right? Nine and a half, yeah, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven feet. You've seen, I've seen seven foot basketball players. Yeah, pray I don't fall, that's right. And, uh, and I've seen tall basketball players, perhaps seven, two, seven, three, but Goliath stood, that's nine feet and six and a span right about the level of my head. Hello down there, right? That's how tall Goliath was. Can you imagine him standing in our church this morning, taunting you, taunting me, saying, give up, you can't do it. That's how tall Goliath was, my friends. And I gotta be careful as, as, I, as I come down this, this ladder, because I certainly don't want to fall. And we'll put this height chart draped over just so we can continue to remember the image. It's often a good image to, to show kids, but I think it's a good thing to show adults as well. That's how tall we're talking. Five to six hundred pounds of sheer muscle was the man, right? And he had that uh, weaponry on him, right? A shield. And, and he had a spear whose tip was six hundred shekels. That's how much it weighed. Somewhere between 15 and 45 pounds. And the armor that he wore was somewhere between 125 and 200 pounds. This guy was a stinking bad dude. That's who he was. All right. Trying to make it real for you. So then there was Goliath, right? And he's taunting the people and says, send out a man. Well, continue with the story with me, if you would. Turn to verse 32 in your Bibles, all right? And there's a lot in between that I'll describe. In verse 32 says this, so all these other Israelites, all these armies are afraid and terrified like wee little boys, right? And there David comes, verse 32, and says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart. On account of this Philistine, your servant will go and fight for him. And you remember David was what? He did, he was a shepherd for a living. And David mentions, you know what, I can take on this Goliath. David had indeed killed lions. He'd killed bears with his bare hands. And it's true because shepherds during that time needed to protect their sheep. Oftentimes the sheep didn't make it. And they used what? Their slingshots and different weapons, but David and his sling, right? So David is sent out by his father and to, to check on his brothers, right? And to bring some bread and bring some cheese to the troops to come back with an assurance that everybody's okay so far. Now, this David, by the way, we wonder how old was David? It said he was a ruddy kid, right? He had a nice-looking face. This was a pimply-looking Opie Taylor. That's who this kid was. All right? Red hair and all. A little kid like that was ready to take on a nine-foot giant like that. I don't know if I would. And so there David was, the, the kid who had taken on the lions, taken on the bears. He says, I'll do it, I'll do it. And if you remember what the prize was for those who would take on and win Goliath. They would get a lot of money, right? They, they, the, their family would be relieved of taxes in the kingdom. Oh, and by the way, you get the girl. Yeah, he got the king's daughter, right? That was a prize. So David's going around asking, is anybody going to do this? Is anybody going to do this? And then he volunteers to do it. And you remember right before that, Saul says, you can't do this, you're only a boy. David mentions his prior conquests. And it goes on, the story goes on, and David decides to take on 
Goliath, verse 42, verse 42, all right? He, meaning Goliath, looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and despised him. And he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with a sticks? He was like a little chihuahua compared to Goliath. And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And then here's our key five verses for this morning. Verse 45, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give your carcasses to the Philistine army, to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. In verse 47, all those gathered here, all those gathered here, will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. Here's the key thing. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. And, and you remember how the account goes? Verse 48 then says, As the Philistine moved closer to attack, to attack him, did David stand back? No, it says this. It says, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag, taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. Yeah, that left a mark, I'm sure. And the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. And so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand. Notice that. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. The battle was the Lord's. Battles the Lord's. You know, know this that David, you kind of look at little David there and, and know that the battle was God's, and the only way that battle was won because God won it. But those guys during that time, there was a group of people during David's time called Benjamites, and they specifically were trained in using the sling, right? And they would pick up smooth stones that were usually about a, a pound. And like you see the pitchers in the baseball leagues, right, throw them 90 to 100 miles, that's how fast that stone was probably coming at Goliath. And indeed, they didn't miss a hair on the head of the thing that they targeted. But David didn't win the battle. The battle belongs to who? The Lord. Here's your question for the day. Who are you trusting in, my friend? Can you really say with truth in your life every moment of the day, the battle belongs to the Lord. Do you and I really trust in the Lord with all our heart, soul? Do we really? David did, right? He was ready to take on Goliath. And, and he went ahead and, and took care of it because God gave him the victory. Dear friends, I, perhaps I'm thinking that we are not trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. is because sometimes the giants, and you've heard things like this before, seem a little big, right? And sometimes those giants seem out of reach, right? And they, sometimes you see somebody with a giant behind them and their shoulders are slouched and they have a hard time looking at you. Perhaps that's you. Where do you really place your trust? We talked about this before, and you're probably sick and tired of hearing it. We all know that the economy's terrible, right? There hasn't been a worse time since the depression, the, the, the recession that we're in. But the question is then, I guess, 
Where do you place your trust? I'm sure many of you take a look at your bills and go, I don't know how I'm going to pay them. That giant's awfully big, and I don't know how it's going to happen. The battle belongs to who? The Lord. Your friends, do you really fully rely and touch God's heart by depending on him? Perhaps it's, it's not the economy, the, the thing, that giant, that obstacle that's in your way. Perhaps it's this, and especially for Messiah Lutheran Church right now. The devil would have it that you would come to this place, and I would come to this place, and we would fold our arms in. You know what I'm saying? That the arms of Jesus that are extended out to this community, in fact, to the world, would be crossed. That we would shudder and we would think that we can't make it and that this church would fall and we should just seek to survive. And indeed the devil seeks to want a foothold right about now. Because Pastor Ed declared something a little bit different a week or two ago. He declared that we're going to continue reaching one more life with Jesus Christ. And that's not something this church made up. That is the command of Jesus Christ to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God would have us just close. The devil would have us be standing there and saying, you can't do it. Close in. Just survive. That's not where we need to go. You saw an amazing dance a little while ago. Voices kept telling them that they couldn't do it. The voice of truth says something else. Dear friend, do you really fully rely and trust on God? Perhaps the thing that's getting in your way, in my way too, is this. I'll give God this part of my life, right? And when I need you, God. You know, my schedule every day, right? I've got to get it done, right? And if I don't take care of it, who will, right? That, that's me in a nutshell. I go through the day sometimes, and did I invite God in? Did I seek his guidance? Perhaps, dear friend, it's a sin that's been in your heart that's not allowing you to touch God's heart. Whether that's a relationship with somebody beyond your marriage or before marriage, whether that's gossip, your friend, that would take down a church and take down a family. I don't know what it is, dear friend, in your life, but God is inviting you and I to fully rely, to fully trust him. And here's the first thing that we need to do. Would you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6? Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Very familiar Bible verse to all of us as well, perhaps. And verses 3, verses 5 and 6, Proverbs chapter 3 says this, trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him, and what does he say? And he will make your path straight. And he doesn't say part of your life, right? He doesn't say keep that particular sin, right? He doesn't say doubt God over here and trust him over here. He says trust in the Lord with all of your heart. If we really want to touch your heart, God, it's trusting him fully. And you know how that starts? Well, if we read in between the lines in the story of King David, no, not the story, the historical account, Turn with me, keep your hand in Proverbs, and turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you look in between the lines at verses 45 through 50, the thing you don't see is that David started out, and the victory was won because he determined that the battle was not 
his. And it's not yours, dear brother, dear sister. It's God's. You know, David started. He surrendered. No, he didn't surrender to Goliath. He surrendered to God. Jesus said, what if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. It starts by surrendering our lives fully to Christ. The one who died on the cross that stands a lot taller than that giant named Satan, sin, death, and the world, and trusting Jesus as your Savior. And that message and that truth and that gospel I'm offering to you, dear friend, those giants, you want them out of the way? Believe in Jesus Christ. Believe that he is victorious over all your sins, over death, and any struggles in your life. And you will live a victorious life. A message that you've heard before? Perhaps. But do we really want to touch God's heart? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And you might say, Pastor Kurt, sounds great, but you know what? I am a little bit afraid. I am. If I change, what will happen? What will happen if I, I give up that sin, right? What will happen if I truly rely on God? If I take that step forward like that little kid and run right at that giant, what will happen? The battle belongs to who? The Lord. Surrender to him. And then each and every day, fully rely on him. Every decision, every thought, every action. Let him guide your life. And what does, it, what does the Bible say? And he will make your paths straight. Surrender. Fully trust in him. And as you look at verse 48 in 1 Samuel chapter 17, one more time, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, and David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him, and reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead. He fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed. Yes, he did. God triumphed, however, over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. And dear friends, our battle is not just against the things of this world, as the Apostle Paul says. Our battle is against against the principalities and powers of this dark world. And he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, Ephesians chapter 6. And he talks about putting on that armor, right? Every single day, learning to trust, fully rely on God more, God more, and hearing God say to you, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? Hearing God say to you, I have overcome the world, says Jesus. Yes, this life is full of trouble, but I have overcome the world. God has already won the battle. Surrender to him, entrust your life, depend on him, and take that next step forward, even though it is a little bit scary. Matthew chapter 6, please turn there with me if you would. Matthew chapter 6, the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 25, Jesus said these words. Therefore, verse 25, Matthew chapter 6. 
Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink or about your body or what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And that's what God's speaking to you. Are you not more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying, who of you by fearing can add a single hour to his life? And then read verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Uh, about 20 years ago, um, I was on track to uh, be a pastor about 20 years ago. I've only been a pastor for five years. And, uh, and by the way, you guys, it's been five years. This is a sixth season, sixth year that I get to spend with all of you, and it's, been a, it's an amazing blessing, amazing blessing. And I didn't ask for that. I didn't expect that. So thank, thank that's an unexpected thing. I was 20 years ago, and uh, yeah, I started out uh, as a little boy, afraid of a kid that could have slugged me in the face. But I thought I was going to be a pastor. I, I guess I guess I was right, but it took a while. And uh, got to the seminary, and uh, you know those voices that tell you you can't do it. Told me I can't do it. That's right. I I couldn't do it by myself. The voices that said that you're not worthy to be a pastor. Yeah, that's right. I'm not worthy to share the word of God. Voices that said, you know, we might as well give up right now. Well, some uh, 14 years of God speaking his truth into me, of being in his word, of serving him, of being in prayer and growing in my trust uh, in the Lord. Uh, I landed here in 2004. Yes, Midland, Michigan, right there. Yep. And, and it has been an amazing blessing. Sometimes we forget to trust in the Lord and to give the battle to him. It's easy to do that, isn't it, when the giants are so big and looming over you, whether that's an illness, sickness, cancer, death, a broken family. But I know that in these many years, God has been faithful you know, I've shared with you a story in the past, and I'll share it to end the message today. Uh, about two uh, summers ago, I was riding my bike, and by the way, I need more bike riding. You remember this story, don't you? There, there was a, another giant, a, a giant that wasn't uh, six cubits in a span, but a giant maybe one cubit, and it was a goose, a nasty little goose, right? <laughs> yeah. And he was hissing at me and calling me names, at least I think he was thought she was, and, and, and as I, I looked beyond, so I stopped there, right? I didn't run away, but I waited for a second, and what is your problem? And, and as I remember, there's about eight or nine little goslings past their mama there, and she's waiting for them to cross the road. Simple little story. Reminded me that God's still present. The maker of the universe, you really can trust him. The savior of the world, He's my Savior, and he's your Savior, too. This past spring, uh, I was outside. Actually, I was waking up in the morning, feeling a little out of it, right? Feeling that, you know, I had a lot of struggles and trials in my way, and just the, the clouds were out there. And you remember, I've shared this before. I woke up to, to nothing more than honk, 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 honk. And I thought, God, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. 
Well, we're in the fall here, and winter's coming, right? A lot of guys look forward to the winter. Sometimes the clouds seem pretty dark. So I was taking my dog outside. It was raining. <laughs> what a thing, raining in Michigan. And uh, I heard one more time, honk, honk, honk. The battle belongs to who, my friend? The Lord. God would have us surrender. He would have us fully rely on him in every single moment of your day. Trust him as your Lord and Savior. And with God on your side and all those battle ornaments, the victory is yours. Because there is a champion named Jesus Christ who's won the battle. The battle belongs to him. Let's take him on. Let's take on that evil one. And all God's people ready to do that today.